Greetings and welcome to Sisterly Soul Stories. This is Erica Dodson and I am so grateful that you decided to join us again today. If you missed last week's episode, I encourage you to watch it at your leisure, but I am incredibly grateful and excited about the guests we have with us today. Pastor Lawrence Scott is the pastor of the Harvest Point Fellowship Church in Carolina, Texas. He's a husband, father, mentor, friend, and man of God. And I'm grateful that he decided to join us today as we continue in our conversation what About the Women, Part 4. So, Pastor Scott, welcome to Sisterly Soul Stories. Thank you for the invitation. I, 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 I am glad to be here and look forward to the conversation. Absolutely. I was grateful when you accepted the invitation. I know we started a conversation a while ago, and I look forward to continuing on today. Um, so, there has been so much that has taken place in our world since we last spoke. And I wanted to just pause first and ask, how are you doing? And what are you doing to care for yourself during this very difficult time in our world? Well, thank you for the question. Um, I am doing well. Uh, there, ha there have been a number of things happening. I am fortunate we have a great team at the church. And so I get to delegate a whole lot and uh, relieve some of that mental stress, spiritual stress potentially. And so I'm doing well. The family's doing great. Um, I think what we did in the, during the pandemic was for us, the pandemic is really a great time of connection. And I know a lot of people had different stories. For, for my household, we really enjoyed just being around each other. And so um, <clears throat> as a father, I, I took more time assessing my children. Mm -hmm. As a husband, I took more time making sure I was connected with my wife. And so it really was a good season for us. And even though there's a lot going on, we've been able to find a good rhythm. And so uh, I've been maintaining well. That's fantastic. And that's something that I'm hearing a lot from uh, pastors and folks in ministry that the pandemic as uh, difficult of, of a time as it was, yeah. um, that they got the opportunity to sit with their families. And yeah, so, um, yeah, that's a blessing. Yeah, it is. Indeed. Um, I also got to do the same and it was life changing for me. I'm originally from Los Angeles. So to be able to come home um, and just spend like four solid months with yeah. family uh, was wonderful and definitely life changing because it gave me the opportunity to strengthen some bonds uh, with family members who I wouldn't necessarily get to sit with on a regular basis. Yeah, it's, it's finding that in, in the midst of everything that's going on, it's finding that space to find some enjoyment, to find some place of rest, um, you know, rebuilding your relationships. And so, again, a lot of people went through a lot. And as a pastor, I did have to lead families through, you know, deaths and things like that. Uh, on a personal level, it was very refreshing for us. And we found good balance, even as we dealt with everything else. Mm -hmm. So I heard you mention uh, distributive leadership. Yeah, yeah. you kind of are big with delegating. Yeah. So uh, talk a little about that, because that's an area where a lot of folks, not only in the ministry, but just people in general, have a hard time doing. Talk a yeah. little bit about what that looked like for you. And is it challenging to do? Have you, did you hit a spot where you had to do more of it? Yeah. Um, how did you get there? So it was hard for me too. Uh, a few things. So on one hand, in my uh, corporate world, I used to be a financial planner and I left that to be a full-time youth pastor. And when I made that transition, you know, I've always served in the local church, but working full-time at the church, I felt like, well, if I'm gonna work here, I gotta be here. And so, hey, I'm there at 7 a.m. We have staff time and, 
work in the, in the daytime. But, you know, a lot of our ministry happened in the evening during the week. And so kids would come later, 7 a.m. to, you know, 9 p.m. That was just my schedule. And as I stayed in ministry for a while, I just took that type of ownership. I thought that's how you're supposed to do this. In fact, most of the systems I was in, the pastor I was under, um, has a great capacity to do things himself. And so I kind of followed in that model and would do most of the things uh, myself. Even after planning the church back in 2014, um, there I say, there may have been, there may have been a piece of pride I was working through by being able to say, I did this, I did that, I did yeah. that. And so I had to really reconcile that and, and try to get some deliverance from that. And there are a few specific moments in the life of our church where I dropped the ball, right? I'm like building websites, preaching sermons, doing all, you know, but I was missing on some, some things. And I remember one, one year in the busyness of the pastorate, um, I was on program at a funeral. I wasn't doing the funeral, but I was supposed to be there to read scripture or something. And I, and I showed up two hours late because I just had everything going on. And I remember that day and I know how hurt the person was. I was like, this ain't it, you yeah. know, trying yeah. to do everything ain't the, ain't the way to do it. And so over the years, I would say over the last four years, all I do is delegate. People know that if you bring an idea, <laughs> you get better get ready to do it because it's going to be back in your plate. And so I, sh I don't struggle with that anymore. Um, in, in the eight years after planning the church, it has given me space to be very available for my family. Yeah, That's why the stress level is low because I've learned how to hand things off. I will say that every now and then I slip up. Every now and then, if I hand you something and you don't do it to, to a certain satisfaction, I might take it back from you. And so the Lord is still working on me in that space. Yeah. But for the most part, even going to your earlier point, when, you know, um, a conversation we had prior to this, I think the thing the Lord has given us is leadership, like leadership development, um, handing stuff off, really asking, hey, what is the Lord doing in your life? Yeah. What, how are you gifted? And how can we as a local church come next to that? And so that's kind of a strong place for us. And so I have no problem handing things off. That's phenomenal. And it's all about growth, right? Like we oh. continue to plow away and work on ourselves as we work on ourselves and let go of things. Thank you for that transparency. Yeah. Um, and, and it's amazing that you identify what it was right mm -hmm. away. Um, and to be able to look at yourself and say, hey, this is something I need to work through. And as you work through it, you become stronger, your ministry becomes stronger. Uh, and then you have that balance that you need. Well, you, and, and what's cool about that too is I'm not the sharpest in these in a lot of areas. Like I do what I do. Yeah. But I have people on our team who are just better at stuff than I am. It, there are things that'll take me three hours mm -hmm. that'll take another person 30 minutes. And I've learned to be okay with my limitations and recognize that that's how it's supposed to work. You're supposed mm -hmm. to know that as a team, we work better together yeah. and it's not just one person. And so I delight, I, I enjoy handing things off, especially to folks who are sharper than me in a lot of areas. Yeah. And have you found that that strengthened your relationships with your ministry leaders and those oh, yeah. that are around you? Yeah, because I have. So after that pride thing I worked through, I have no ego. Now, I, I, I take that back. I want to walk in some humility. I don't know. I may I may have some, but I'm OK admitting, admitting my limitations. I'm OK yeah. celebrating the successes of others. I'm OK not taking credit for stuff. And so mm -hmm. our team, I think if you would ask them, I think they would say that has strengthened us and uh, helps us to be accountable, transparent, and want to work with others because we all recognize, hey, <clears throat> here's what the Lord has given me, but there's some folks next to us who may be sharper, so let me hand it off, and that's kind of the energy we have at the church. 
that's wonderful. So let's just kind of get into it. Uh, tell us a little bit about young Lawrence, about how you came to faith and yeah. the early, uh, the start or the beginnings of your ministry. Yeah. So um, grew up in church. <clears throat> and so I would say at a very young age, um, the, the conversations about God were very present. I grew up in a single parent home. So mom really made sure we stayed under some covering at the church and she talked to us about Jesus. So I would say as a young kid, um, as far as I understood at that time, I was like, yeah, I want to be down with Jesus, you know, five or six years old. And as you get older, I remember there were a few moments after that I would check in just to make sure I was saved, right? I'd be like, all right, Lord, I said something to you at six. I'm eight now. You know what I'm saying? I want to make sure you know we're together. At 10, at 10, we moved into a homeless shelter, Star of Hope here in the city. And um, in the, it's a Christian uh, organization. And so they would reinforce things. And so there were moments after that where I would come back and be like, Lord, we good, right? I know yeah. what I said at eight. I'm yeah. 11 now. You know, yeah. so that was kind of my jo uh, journey there. Um, you want to go all the way up to ministry? So, so quickly and then you know grew up in church had a season in my young adult life amen the lord had to come recover amen amen so and so there was some recovery in my life amen and uh in my early 20s i just knew and, and my story is my father i told you i grew up single parent my father who's a preacher um him and my mom didn't work and i resented the idea of preaching i love jesus mm -hmm. but I'm gonna be honest with you, male leaders, because of my father and his action, I had trouble in my youth with male leaders. Most of my teacher, teachers were women. At, at church, most of the people who taught me were women. Yeah. This is this conversation. And every now and then there would be a brother that would step in and I had respect for the men at church, but I, I noticed I had to reflect on it. Mm -hmm. In some moments, because of my issues with my dad, I was like, no man can tell me what to do because yeah. my mother was the primary voice. And so I had to work through that. Um, and in my early twenties, I felt I, I need to put that aside and accept what the Lord may be saying to me about preaching and, and potentially pastoring. And so in my early twenties, I began to go on a pathway um, that led me to really engage that. And by the time I was um, early thirties, um, that's when I kind of stepped out of corporate into the local church. And I've been working in the local church um, at a full-time capacity since. You know, it's always uh, just so interesting to me how the Lord uses the affairs of our lives um, and especially uh, the things that surround us or that we grew up in to shape our ministry. Um, and it gives us a uniqueness yeah. that allows us to minister to a whole array of people, um, you know. So when you think about it, you know, our hurts are our hurts. Sometimes our journeys are, are difficult, but as we grow and heal, um, God gives us space and grace to be able to share um, and, and touch the hearts of those who come into our churches and into our uh, purview. So when you think about your life uh, up to this point and your church, your ministry, the Harvest Point Fellowship Church, what is unique about your ministry because of how you grew up, because of your experience, or just because of the unique call that you have on your life? Yeah, thank you for the question. So um, one, that leadership piece we just talked about, but also uh, I mentioned being homeless for a season when we were younger. Um, the Lord has allowed me to sit on the board today of that organization that I was that I, I, I experienced as a kid. And so I have some influence with that organization and our church because that was my experience 
we try to put a lot of effort in support of the homeless and support of kids who are just going through. And so um, there are a number of nonprofits that we've launched from the church, many of them focused on youth empowerment, youth development. There are some organizations in the city that focus on children going through foster care and stuff like that, that we as a church, we partner with in order to uh, be a help to that. So what you might see is um, a church that's focused heavily on leadership development, asking people, hey, what is the Lord doing in your life? How can we come next to that? We want to be and we try to be a sending church. And when we say sending church, we're not just talking about church planting. That's part of it. But hey, some people are called to be in finance. Some people are called to be teachers. And so we're saying, how can we best come next to you as you try to be the salt and light at your school, as you try to be the salt and light as an entrepreneur, as you try to be the salt and light at the bank? And so we're sending church leadership, a lot of emphasis on family. We are in the suburbs uh, in Pearland. And so most of our congregation families and stuff like that. So leadership, family, children uh, empowerment, uh, and being a sending church and really trying to support that. Like we have people in our church who are entrepreneurs, nonprofit business owners, uh, nonprofit owners, uh, leaders. And we say, hey, how can we support that? You doing mm-hmm. what? How can mm-hmm. we put a couple of dollars next to that? Because ultimately uh, the impact has to happen outside of the four walls. Yeah, we, we're discipled here. But man, if we're not hidden where you are, where you work, where you spend your time, we're missing an opportunity to be the salt and light. And so we try to make sure we put a lot of emphasis on supporting those who are in various places. That's amazing. Thank you so much. So as we press on, uh, you know, the face of ministry has beginning to change a bit. You know, there was a time in the church where you would only see women leading ministries, maybe cooking in the kitchen, um, teaching Sunday school. But now you're seeing women come out of the shadows into the, into the forefront, right. um, some pastoring, some preaching, uh, some launching churches and other areas of ministry. Um, however, there's still a tension that exists. Everyone is not excited about that idea. And so I wanted to first ask you, why do you think that tension exists? And how can we kind of tunnel through and bring folks together? Yeah, great question. You know, obviously there are some things in history. Um, you know, when you think about the church, I want to be very specific. The church in this country, can I be even more specific? The Black church. Um, in this environment, there has always been this thing um, against women. I think sometimes under the banner of being a complementarian, it's really more of patriarchy connected with paternalism, whereas um, the idea is you only see men lead in every space and these men want to hold on to those spaces. And so when you talk about a woman who has gifting to serve in a certain space, that opportunity historically has not been made available to her. And I remember growing up in church and let me say this, I love the people, uh, they, they shaped a lot in me, but in that church, women didn't wear pants. Uh-huh. So forget, forget preaching. Yeah. <laughs> We ain't talking, talking about pants. So, and again, I, you know, don't want to dismiss the people. I love the people. Mm-hmm. It's like, if that's the environment, mm-hmm. right? It, you know, it's no wonder there's no leadership for women outside of that. Which, by the way, though, I found it interesting that, you know, most of the members in the churches I, I grew up in were women, right? Most of the people personally who had an impact on my spiritual journey. It's kind of like Timothy, my mother and my grandmother, Right. Not to dismiss the brothers who are doing the thing, but again, a lot of women, but not a lot of respect for them under this banner. And and by the way, I'm a complementarian. So there's a healthy way to do it, uh, which I want to talk about. But I think under that banner, we use as as an excuse not to 
support, empower women in the local church. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I appreciate the entry into the conversation around patriarchy. You know, that's an area where people don't always just want to claim and, and just speak out about what it actually is, mm-hmm. um, especially when you see women doing a lot of the teaching and you talk right. about how your faith was formed under the women who were teaching in your church, who yeah. actually helped you to come into an awareness of who Jesus Christ was. And I think that is the case for so many of us in the African-American church, but then they run into this kind of like stop gap (laughs) that says you can't go any further. And and I think that it makes it very difficult uh, for women when they feel the call of God uh, and they don't see women ascend to spaces where they might feel that they were called to, they begin to second guess themselves and maybe hold back. Talk a little bit about how that hinders the, excuse me, the church and the ministry as a whole. Absolutely. So, I mean, going back to creation, right? Um, Men and women were given the responsibilities to co-labor together, right? We are being fruitful, we're multiplying, and also we're taking care of God's creation. So this stewardship responsibility was not just given to men, it's given to men and women. Um, The Bible talks about women being the helpmeet, right? And sometimes we make that almost like being the helpmeet is a lesser position. When the term help me, God uses for himself uh, at times in the scripture. And so I think going back to how we view Genesis, how we how we view Genesis chapter three, the fall, uh, when the scripture talks about um, the desires of the woman. Again, I think what we do is we misapply what that means when it comes to the value of the person. I do believe that men and women are different. Right. And God created us in such a way. But these differences are supposed to work well together. So I think it starts with uh, just a misunderstanding of the scripture and what that means, um, that you can see uh, gender and the differences there and still know that those differences ought to work together to the glory of God. When we do not do that, mm-hmm. um, not only does that woman not have the opportunity in that space to work in the gifts that God gave her. This ain't even about your preferences. It's what God gave her, right? But, but it hinders the entire church because to be fair, um, as a person, as a black pastor who operates often in non-black spaces, are we together? I see, it is easy to see in those spaces. I think most black people see this. It's easy to see how a person who's black, who loves Jesus, but you operate in non-black spaces. If your voice is not added to the conversation, it's easy to see how it will limit the effectiveness, the uh, empathy, um, the potential in that space. If, if there's yeah. all, if there's Christians and you're a black person in a non-black space and you don't have a voice, it's easy to see. Such yeah. is true for women in the local church. If that woman does not have space and, and to operate and use the God-given gifts, mm-hmm. then it limits the empathy, the effectiveness um, of that local church. And so I think we've done a disservice to women because that has been our history and present in many places when it comes to women in leadership and in ministry. Uh, I love the comparison because sometimes we don't see it as stark as you just lay it out for us just now. Uh, But, you know, I've talked to quite a few pastors and sometimes they have this belief, but because of the church that they lead, uh, the belief of the congregation, or maybe it's an older, more traditional church, they don't have the freedom as SAU would because you planted your church to really just move forward 
and the beliefs that they have. And so they kind of have to, you know, slow walk or try to bend. What do you say to those pastors in those spaces that may believe that women actually should have a voice at the table, but are apprehensive or even fearful uh, to move forward with those beliefs in the place where they lead? Be encouraged. Be encouraged. Like I, I, that slow walking, I think that pastor would say, if I move too fast, and I think you alluded to it, they may put me out. Yeah. You know, so, so be encouraged, meaning that God knows the intent of your heart. And that effort, I believe, will pay off eventually. Um, and teach the scripture. Mm-hmm. And like, forget your tradition. Teach the scripture. As you teach the scripture, and you be faithful to the text, and, and you see in the scripture how on regular occasion, from the Old Testament to the New, how women impacted uh, the, the body of believers. Yeah. When you teach the scripture and you move with some patience, be encouraged because it is a hard process. I think it, I think when you plant, there's a, you know a process you go through that that may be hard in some spaces. But one of the things that's easier mm-hmm. is this. Um, but for those who've been in traditional spaces, the church been around for seventy five years. Yeah, and you trying to you've been passing for seventeen months. You're trying <laughs> to you know. Be encouraged, trust Jesus, teach the scripture, mm-hmm. and watch how the Lord will begin to work some things out. Um, I do think, though, uh, to tag, you know, for that pastor to push hard can uh, result in him being pushed out. And I've seen it uh, often. And so um, teach the scripture. And as you teach the scripture, you, you know, spend time with the texts that deal with women. You got Women's Month in March. If that's your opportunity, teach on women in March. Um, not just March, amen, but as a design yes. part of the year dedicated yes. to that conversation. So, um, yeah, I, but it starts with the scripture. I think sometimes there are extremes, right? Sometimes there is a push against the traditional church. And so something happens against that because that space didn't allow for it. Where I'm saying there's a beautiful balance. There shouldn't be this against that. If we just teach the scripture and follow the Holy Spirit, there's a beautiful place where we can meet together and all be in some kind of fellowship. But to that guy, that, that pastor, teach the scripture, move in patience, be encouraged. Absolutely. So I'm an educator also, mm-hmm. and um, I've been in uh, spaces and had occasion to have to have very difficult conversations with people that I was appraising uh, mm-hmm. or leading. And so I entered those conversations always with data. Uh, they say data is the third voice. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times, you know, I can share my opinion about your teaching, you know, I come in and I see some things that I might not have done or I don't agree with, or maybe I see some gaps uh, in knowledge. And so sometimes those conversations can become confrontational Mm -hmm. or my thought against your thought. But when we point to student test scores, um, sometimes things become more easily digested because the other person or the teacher in this case can point out the areas where they need to grow. And so I think even in these conversations, teaching the scripture kind of neutralizes the conversation because it's not my opinion um, versus your opinion. It's what does God say? What does the scripture say? You know, if you, if you walk through the scripture and I'm, you know, Old Testament, New Testament, you're in Romans 16, you're talking about the women that Paul is talking about. And, And I think what's interesting about Paul and this conversation about women in ministry is that sometimes some portions of the scripture, whether it be Ephesians or the pastoral epistles, 
um, people have issues with because when they view the text, they think he may be against a certain thing. But if you really teach the scripture, what you find is not only is he about women empowerment, but he actually talks about things that show how it's supposed to be a walking together to uh, to, to co-labor together in, in many places. And so being in the scripture will help you navigate this to your point and help people see the value and necessity. I'm not even just about value, necessity mm-hmm. uh, of having the voice of women in the local church. Mm-hmm. Now talk a little bit about how you uh, give space for women in your church and the impact that they are currently having. So um, at Harvest Point, we try to make sure that we're, we're listening to, to the Holy Spirit and really making opportunities available. I think sometimes that's the issue. Opportunities are not made available. So for us, areas like our Christian education department, our assimilation team, uh, our singles ministry, um, obviously women's ministry, mm-hmm. spiritual formation, and... Um, a few other a counseling team, all led by women at our church, right? Because they are gifted to, to lead those spaces. And so in Harvest Point, as I mentioned earlier, we are complementarian, meaning that we do see distinction in gender and we do see those distinctions working together to the glory of God. And so uh, our elder board, for example, are all men. But mm-hmm. I was like, listen, great. Um, we established that board 18 months after we established the church and they've been in that position since then. But we also created an advisory board about eight other people in that church, leaders in their own right. So these talking about lawyers, talking about people in different areas. Five of those eight are women who bring advice and direction for the church and their voices are valuable. And they they speak into things that I miss. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They say stuff and you know, and I invite them, not just them, but other women who lead in our church to tell me where I make a mistake. And I think that's the biggest part. As much as I would like to consider myself and the church as advocates in this place, Mm-hmm. as people who encourage in this place. I am still aware that I have some blind spots and I, I, I invite women to the table to speak to that. Not just my wife. Now my wife go give me a word. Come on in mm-hmm. here. <laughs> Shannon go give me a word. But I mean, women in our church tell me. There's a woman uh, recently who who posed a question. She's a um, one of our worship leaders. And I thought what I'm doing is, I'm like, hey, listen, this she she got this. You follow her. I thought that's what I was doing. And she helped me see that I needed to put more energy in affirming her role because it's not even just about, let's be 100. It's not even just about a, a male perspective of women leadership. Uh-huh. Some women. Can we talk today? Are we? Yeah, we can go. Come, come on, talk, about it. Yes, talk, talk today? about it. Some women. Yes. yes. It's like, sis, I, I, I love you, but you know, and so we, mm-hmm. I, I that part of it, I didn't pay attention. I was always focused on the man, you know, bro, I don't know what kind of man you think you are, but you need to be a man that can follow women too. That's mm-hmm. what we do around here. And so, mm-hmm. but I had to address the other part of it. And so I'm trying to be a, a better leader in that space. But I think what's important for us is that I welcome the conversation. Mm-hmm. Like if, if you think we're missing something in that space, oh, I ain't got no problem being accountable. I ain't got no problem coming and apologizing. But I think for the most part, the people will tell you, like if you went to our website and you looked at our leadership um, team and our staff, you would see women in places. I think that in many churches, men only lead those spaces. And we do all that at the same time of recognizing 
um, the differences in gender and how God uses those things together to his glory. And so um, I, I'm not saying that we do it the best. I don't know if that's the thing to say. In fact, I got to be honest with you. This conversation is unfortunate. It's good, but it's unfortunate if you understand what I mean, that we have to. Yeah. We have to do this. We have to say church. Women matter. What yeah. Kind of church we doing? What are yeah. we doing? So, so I'm burdened by the conversation, but it's definitely needed. And I'm trying to be better um, in this place. Let me tell you this. I wouldn't even go say this. I wouldn't even go say this. Yesterday, and I'm telling you, I'm going to tell you just how it happened. And then I'm going to get out your way. <laughs> my, my son runs track. We were coming back from the track meet. Mm -hmm. I'm on my way to the house. We're pulling up in the neighborhood. I'm thinking to myself, okay, when I get home, I got this to do. Oh, and tomorrow I got to make sure that I'm prepared for the conversation I'm going to have about women. In my mind, I'm thinking mm -hmm, this. Mm -hmm, it's 3.57 p.m. Okay. My son turns to me. I'm thinking some things. I am not saying anything. My, my son turns to me. He says, dad, women can teach in the church too, right? I, listen, he, when, he, when he made this statement, Listen, we weren't talking about church. We were yeah. talking about Burger King. I just got the man, the little whopper with the fries. Come on in here. And the man, the nine-year-old boy asked me a question about women in ministry. And I said, Lord, are you speaking to the boy? So I, asked, I said, I said, why you say that? He said, now again, he's nine. If he were here, he were walking out, he'd say, because I asked you because I want to, you know, I feel like he nine. I feel like, you know, when it comes to, as long as you teach in the Bible. I don't care what you are. Now, I, I, I was so shocked we had that conversation at 3.57 p.m. yesterday that I came into my wife and I'm just like, we prayed. I'm like, what is the Lord saying? Yeah. So, now, now, let me be clear for your audience. Mm -hmm. I'm not elevating my son's voice as some, this is my, my theology of changing. No, nah, nah, nah. I'm in the scripture. Look mm -hmm. at your name and say, be in the scripture. We're in the scripture. In the scripture. But it's interesting that that moment he said that considering what I was thinking about without that conversation. I just thought it was a beautiful conversation. So, mm -hmm. um, yes, this conversation is amazing that we have to have it to this level, but mm -hmm. I'm glad we're having it at this level. Yeah. You know, and I certainly, I have a seven-year-old. I don't discount the voice of little people. Uh, God can send a message a of affirmation and confirmation at any time. <laughs> Not a word. But but again, this if you teach the scriptures. Yeah. Can you imagine just skip a moment? Can you imagine the faith without the inclusion of women? Like, just just go back and read the text. Mm -hmm. When you think about what Jesus and Luke 8 says about women, when you think about um the impact women had with even getting the gospel out to others, um, yes, you could be complimentary as I am and still understand the voice of women. Okay. I'm off my soap. <laughs> you are just fine. And so uh, with that, you know, um, what do you say to women who know they have the call of God on their lives um, that maybe have gone to male leadership and have been, you know, discouraged from using their voice or not given space, you know, maybe like found the courage to go ask about um, opportunity and we're turned away or maybe because of the doc doctrinal beliefs that are taught from the pulpit, you know, are sitting on uh, the, the gifts that God gave them. What do you say to them who are uh, unsure um, in their uh, exhortation of their gift, but know that they have a call on their lives? Yeah, thank you for that question. You know, that is an interesting spot to be in. Mm -hmm. um, 
because part of me, as a leader of the local church, part of me wants to say, male or female, man or woman, you know, if your desire to lead um, or to be in a position to use your gifts is presented in a way that is combative or, and again, that's why I want to open it up because mm-hmm. about, mm-hmm. then it may, may create some difficulty in having a conversation. I've experienced some of that mm-hmm. around the board, but for women who say, no, no, I'm called to something and I don't have an opportunity. I, you know, I am the last person to tell the person about to, to hop churches and to, to, to be, have a, a grievance and then leave. I'm the last person to do that. But if the church doesn't support the scripture's view of women, mm-hmm. come on somebody. If the <laughs> church does not support the scripture's view of women, I don't know if you need to be in that space. Yeah. Now this ain't even about your, being in your feelings. This ain't about preferences. If the church does not support a biblical view of women, mm-hmm. which includes women's contribution to the local church and worship uh, Sundays, whatever. Mm-hmm. then you may want to consider asking the Lord, where, where do I need to be? If you can be in that place and you see that your effort to communicate your desire to be used by God in that local church um, may not be received, but may be on a pathway to adjusting some things at that church. Because if, if there's no voice at that church, then how do things change, right? Yeah. Um, obviously, God can do what he wants to do. Then maybe you have to ask the Lord, Lord, are you using me as the instrument to help create change at the church? And so I really think it comes back to what does God say? certainly here's what we know to be true. God wants you to use your gifts. We know that for a fact. That's why he gave them to you. Certainly that your gifts are supposed to help with the edification of the local church. Mm. And so you have to ask, Lord, are you using me as a change agent? Do I have capacity to do that, to be here, do that? Or Lord, are you sending me somewhere else? And I think um, once we get that clearance from the Lord, that clarity from the Lord, that helps us to navigate, that helps that sister to navigate her next steps. But to be sure, her gifts were given for the purpose of using them to God's glory. And she needs to do that. So however God wants to work that out in her life, because I've seen sisters on both ends. I've seen a sister press into some things at the local church, help change some culture. And then I've seen where, uh, uh, to your point earlier, this women is saying, you know what? I can't, oh, I can't talk over here? Bet, I'm gonna talk over here. And so mm-hmm. um, I just pray that, I pray that um, the churches would, not create an environment where women say, you know what, I have to go outside. Let me get my own, I'm gonna get my Facebook channel. I'm gonna preach to the folks. I'm gonna Mm -hmm. teach the folks because I can't talk nowhere else in the local church. And so I just pray that we, yeah, create your platforms as God gives them to you. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, be a a help to the local church. Um, I think it's God's plan for us. And I pray that we have atmosphere where women feel like they can use their gifts in the local church. Yes, so powerful. And I totally agree and have found the same to be true in my life. Um, I've always been called to traditional spaces Mm. to do God's work. And I have been amazed at how I can just be there without saying anything. And the Lord will create opportunity. Mm. He will open up windows. He will touch hearts of individuals, um, pastors, leaders, elders that give me opportunity uh, to share, to teach, to lead. And that has been um, just mind boggling for me because I come from a very traditional uh, church setting where like you, women didn't wear pants. It didn't do (laughs) a lot, Um, but it's just um, the hand of the Lord. And I think that if you are faith filled, if you trust God 
and let him do his work. And then you're obedient to Mm -hmm. how he wants you to move that you will see how he can use you to transform spaces, um, your presence simply. Uh, and then if you are faithful over a few things, Come on. I think he will open up doors to give you opportunity over many more things. Mm. And that has been true in my life. And I look back over these 20 years and I marvel at how the Lord has developed me in ministry and all the opportunity he has given and he continues to present. Amen. And I think, <laughs> I think you are a prime example um, because even as we we've known each other in, in a way, um, I know about you because you have been that person to go into spaces. And I've seen situations, and I hope you don't mind me saying this, mm-hmm. where you may not get credit, not that you're looking for it, mm-hmm. for things that you've 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 helped to to do that I know about. Yeah. Um, but you you still use use your gifts to to do that thing, and God blessed it and has blessed you to be that voice to to be a change agent and to help other women uh, know their, their worth in those spaces. And so God has blessed you and I'm, I'm thankful for you. Thank you so much. Uh, you know, we have a, a mutual friend, uh, Pastor Blake Wilson, and he said yes. to me the other day, um, when you think <laughs> about the things that you have done and look at the fact that they're still in place, hmm. call fruit that remains. Come on. And that just... So encouraged me uh, it, it deeply because that's all you want, right? For, for God to use you in a way that you can affect change over a long period of time that his children, his people will continue to be recipients of those rewards. And so um, I thank you so much for the affirmation. Um, I thank you for sharing this space with me today. And um, I ask God's choice blessings upon you, your family, your ministry, as you continue to move forward. As we prepare to close, do you have any last words for the women and the audience who may be listening today? Uh, yes, I would say if I could sum it up, thank you. Mm-hmm. Right, Thank you for being um, a very, dare I say, most consistent voice. Um, in many spaces when it comes to this faith journey. Thank you for enduring um, the difficult um, spaces when it comes to opportunity and still trusting Jesus um, in the process. Thank you for just loving on us. And, uh, and by us, I mean men, even those of us who don't reciprocate at times or show the same value and appreciation. Your patience and your consistency has been, I think, the backbone to um, a lot of what we do in our faith journey. And so uh, just thank you. And, and, and I guess, secondly, be encouraged. Um, yes, you are gifted. Yes, there's a space for you to use your gifts. Yes, there are churches who will receive you and uh, be delighted in your use of your gifts to God's glory. And so pray about how God will have you make whatever adjustments you need to make. I'll be that change agent where you are um, so that he gets the glory in all of it. God bless. Absolutely. And thank you again, Pastor Scott. I would like to thank all of you as well for tuning in again today. I hope something was said that would encourage you on your journey. If you have any questions for either me or Pastor Scott, please feel free to leave them in the chat and we will get back with you. But until then, God bless you and have a wonderful week.